0: Alright, a lot to dive into this week here on the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll talk to uh, St. John's Catholic Prep football coach Nate Maher. Vikings have won two in a row. I feel like they're playing their best football of the season right now. And uh, the running back, uh, Zion Natemi, just rushed for a school record 307 yards last week in a rainy, muddy game at Annapolis Christian. Uh, so we'll talk to coach Marr about all of that in his background as a college coach and sort of how that plays into his job at St. John's, where you sort of have to recruit, uh, to, to, to bring players into the school in a pretty football rich area here in Frederick County. Uh, but first, though we kick things off with my colleagues here at the FNP, uh, Alexander Dacey and John Cannon. Uh, guys, uh, thanks so much, uh, for stopping in as always. And, uh, Let's talk about here, John. We'll start with uh, Tuscarora earning its first win of the season in football at uh, TJ. Uh, it's a game we figured that TJ uh, would w- would probably win, and-, and things would um, uh would then uh, the struggles would continue for Tuscarora. But exactly the opposite played out, and, and Tuscarora had a fairly. A handy win there last Friday. Yeah,
1: actually, early on, I mean, it seemed like it was going to go the way of TJ. I mean, they uh, they had this like long opening scoring touchdown drive where they took like eight minutes off the clock, and then uh, Tuscarora, if, if memory serves, they uh, they kind of like went three out and out. They didn't do much, but then, <laughs> TJ did a uh, TJ got the ball back, didn't do much with it. They did a quick kick and picked uh, and pinned uh, Tuscarora on their own one, thinking, oh boy, I'm thinking safety Well, Jack Ersel goes back in the end zone, Tuscarora's quarterback, and throws uh, about a 15-yard uh, uh, pass on a seam route to uh, Ken Juan Addison, who takes it and goes the rest of the way for a 99-yard touchdown, and that just totally flipped the switch of that game. I mean, you know, a 99-yard touchdown, I mean, for a team that hasn't had a win this year, all of a sudden they were just totally charged up, and TJ, who thought they had things in control, I think, uh, you know, they, they all of a sudden found themselves, uh, they never scored again, and Tuscarora more or less controlled the game after that.
0: How pumped up? Were the players, how how, mm-hmm. how happy was Ryan Hines to get his first win? <laughs> he had, he, what, what was that moment like for Tuscarora? Ryan's
1: pretty even-keeled. <laughs> I th- yeah. I'm sure he was happy. I don't doubt that he was. But, you know, you know Ryan, he, he was pretty even-keeled. But, yeah, the players were all really fi- fired up, and he was happy for them. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was nice to see for them. And, I mean, it had been, what, it, they had last one, and it had been, it, that was their 20th game without, a, it had been 19 games, that so they had a 19-game nine, losing streak. So, I mean, and a lot of these guys have never experienced a high school win before.
0: And it basically uh, been two years. Cause I think their right? last win was October 21st. Oh, Against TJ. I know this because I've looked this up so often. October right. 21st, 2001. So it had really been two years since they won a game. And right. that's a heck of a long time. I, I, and you have a coaching change in there too. So so I'm sure it was a great moment uh, uh, for those Suscarora kids uh, to – uh, to get off the Schneid and, and and get on the board with their uh, first win of the season, uh, Alexander, you were at Walkersville, uh, mm-hmm. where Oakdale uh, they remain unbeaten, but they're not playing their prettiest football at all times.
2: No, and really, the really they're not playing their prettiest football on special teams. I mean, they had three straight special teams plays where they where, where they they either had a blocked, they had a blocked punt they uh, they 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 muffed it, fumbled a kickoff return uh and then they had a, a kickoff a kickoff hit them fall to the ground and then Walker'sville fell on it and each of those led to each of those led to points or at least led to you know led to putting them in a position where where they would eventually get points you know later on so they actually were down uh with about a minute to go in the first half and then they got a touchdown and just sort of took off from there but yeah it's like oak, oak I mean they're, they're again Oakdale's offense is you know what we expected they're still great they're still you know, still putting up big numbers um and their defense is their defense when they're not getting pinned you know pinned in their own end there is doing fine but they keep getting pinned in their own end because their special teams keep sort of keep sort of messing up so if they can you know if they can just clean that up you know, they it, it could cost
0: them a, a game against uh, a, a, a pretty close to equally talented team in the
2: playoffs. Right. And the thing that, you know, that Kurt Stein told me after the game is like they know their special teams is good and talented, which is why it's like so frustrating that they keep sort of shooting themselves in the foot there. But, um, you know, fortunately, it hasn't hasn't hurt them so far. I mean, I guess that, you know, it kept them kept the games close in the first half. Against Walkersville, and then the other time I saw them against Middletown, and same thing—they had a couple special teams uh, blunders, but
0: but their ability to hit big plays it sort of bails them out of that stuff,
2: right? And, and the fact that they're able to stay in the game and like adjust and sort of overcome some of those mistakes, right? It's not—it's not like they're making mistakes and then it compounds and spirals. It's—it's it's, you know, they ma- they make mistakes, yes, but they sort of can get over it and get past it, which is you know, which is <laughs> which is impressive in its own right. And th- again, the fact that they you know that you can say they they have issues with the way they played in a pretty comfortable 19 point road win over a over a good team in Walkersville you know sort of again just shows how good how good this team is but yeah they they do they do have to clean up the special teams i mean that's that's i think they know that and that's that's just one of those things where you know i i would not expect those mistakes to continue at least not much past the regular season but you know, we'll we'll have to see what happens.
0: Uh, what do you think of Walkersville? Because I think they've sort of found their identity over the past couple of weeks with with their running game with uh, Demarcus Ross and Jordan Bennett. I
2: mean, both of them are really good. You know, really, really, just sturdy running backs. I know uh, I was at a, I was at a, the game last year. I think it was against. I want to say they were playing TJ last year, where uh, Demarcus made his debut, and he he totally went off in that game. He had a couple touchdowns, like 150 yards um and i was and i and i didn't realize at the time that he was a, a it was he was only a sophomore and they had just pulled him up from jv but i was like this kid is you know i know they weren't facing the greatest competition in that game but he he impressed me and yeah i mean he's you know just just a really sturdy runner but i didn't seen jordan bennett before uh before this past uh, friday and every run he had was a good 8 9 10 yard carry and it was just you know, he 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 just sort of kept dragging people with him, and he just kept going, finding he, the. He
0: is a big kid. He, he's six two, and he's every bit of two hundred five ish pounds. I would say. Yeah, I
2: mean, he, he it's like it's like it's hard to bring him down, right? And he's all and he's also and he, and he's sort of deceptively quick too with that size. So yeah, they have a really nice two you know two headed two-headed monster there in the backfield it it was throwing me I will say you know when they were they were platooning their quarterbacks like it was an honest to god platoon where uh where Brad Dawson and Gavin Hughes would just trade possessions and I I don't think I've ever seen seen like a platoon where it is like an honest to god they it's literally every possession. They literally flip every possession. You know, not not that it – I guess not that it ended up really mattering in the game. Yeah, but you
0: would think that would, yeah. like, throw off the offensive rhythm a little bit. But but they're so reliant on their running game that it really doesn't matter a ton. Uh, um, and, and Hughes and Dawson do different things well. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's interesting. I, I haven't seen it necessarily work myself either or seen it a bunch. But, but again, given how good their running game is, it, it might not matter a whole lot. So. right. Um, I was at Frederick High, or excuse me, Urbana, and, and saw Frederick High beat Urbana uh, 25-9. Believe it or not, John, just the second time Frederick's ever beaten Urbana in football. So they, they haven't played a ton over the years, as we've pointed out. Uh, that was their first meeting since 2019, I want to say. Just their second meeting since 2014. And I think the previous time that Frederick had beaten uh, Urbana was ba- way back in 2007. So, so it had been a long time since Frederick had actually beaten Urbana. But the Cadets play their best defensive game of the season, uh, have a pick-six, uh, forced two turnovers overall, and really just held uh, the Urbana offense uh, in check for most of the night, and, and they earn a uh, 25-9 victory uh, at Urbana. Other results, uh, Brunswick uh, uh, bounces back from their loss to Walkersville. Uh, they beat North Hagerstown 48-14. Uh, Catoctin c- continues its mastery over Smithsburg with a 28-4-18 win. Uh, we mentioned uh, the Tuscarora TJ result. uh, Ligonor, uh beats Middletown twenty-eight uh, nothing. Uh, we mentioned Oakdale, Walkersville too. Uh, St. John's we mentioned at the top of the show beat Annapolis Christian thirty-four to nothing on the road. And MSD last Saturday uh, beat Model fourteen to six. It's uh, the Orioles' uh, sixth straight win uh, since since opening the season with a couple of uh, weird losses. And, um, uh, and I think it was their 23rd uh, straight homecoming win, so they, they, they don't lose on homecoming. I, I, I saw that, I saw that in their uh, notes uh, that they sent over. So MSD playing well. And uh, this week they go to uh, Mercersburg Academy and Mercersburg PA uh, looking for a win there. And MSD, I think, would be the top seed in the Keystone State Football League standings uh, the, the the playoffs uh, it, um, as, as it stands. Uh, right now, <clears throat> so uh, upcoming uh, week eight matchups, it's pretty much an all-county slate. MSD, we just mentioned, against Mercerburg Academy. Uh, St. John's Catholic Prep gets its rematch with uh, Severn School. Severn won that pretty handily uh, at the end of September. And then the county matchups are uh, Oakdale, Urbana. Uh, Ligonor plays TJ. Uh, Frederick plays Tuscarora. Uh, Walkersville plays Catoctin and uh, Middletown bases brunswick and what again is another sort of litmus test for brunswick can, can, can they hang with one of these uh higher tier county schools it didn't go so well against walkersville but we'll see what happens against middletown a, a, a team that they haven't beaten since 2003 so so it'll, it'll be an interesting test there and that's the game you're doing alexander because i don't think you've seen brunswick yet right
2: well i saw brunswick for all of like five minutes back in week two before the storms put the kibosh on that on those friday night games but yeah, I I I feel like of the two like higher level, or I guess like the Walkersville Middletown games, this is the one I think they have a better chance at winning. Um, I, I I did pick them to beat Walkersville, and now I feel like I'm I'm a little bit scared. a little scared to do that because they I yeah, kind of got burned on that one, but. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- th- this is probably their better their better chance between those two. Um, Middletown has been playing a lot better recently, and they've had a real – again, they've had a really hard schedule, and they're – you know, I mean, they, they, they kept it somewhat competitive against Oakdale. Um, you know, it was close against Urbana. Um, you know, not – I wouldn't say it was – you know, I don't know if they were ever in the game against, like, Mervo, but they, it, it, that one wasn't very lopsided either. So they don't play a ton of games where – the 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 score the score gets out of hand and they're always they're always sort of in it and th- they seem like at the very least on the offensive side they're starting to come around and the, the I mean the defense is usually pretty strong as well so you know this might be one of the one one of the I mean I guess I guess that they, they've already they've already played like like a like a Frederick right or they've played a um uh well, last week with Ethan Arneson so the, so they face teams with with good offenses but um, you know, you know, we'll kind of see how they stack up against Ethan Hauk, Ben Wells, and Brunswick. Sort of just litany of, you know, you know, litany of weapons that they have. You know, we'll 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 see how they do there. And I guess we'll, you know, the flip side again for Brunswick is, okay, you, you, you got you kind of got embarrassed in your first your first try at, at you know first crack at one of the bigger schools. Can you not? Can that not happen again? And maybe even you go on the road and steal win. I mean, it's hard to win at Middletown generally, but. Can, can, can you steal the road win i i mean i think it's probably gonna truth be told it's probably the mo- gonna be the most competitive game of the weekend um i still think middletown has an edge i feel i feel a little more cautious in picking brunswick but who knows The this, you, again, this,
0: you 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 pick brunswick to beat walkersville and that one sort of backfired yeah on you <laughs> a, 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 a little bit um Beyond football, I believe this is set CMC Championship mm-hmm. Weekend. Uh, I'm gonna put us on the spot here. Do we know the matchups? Uh, yes. If, uh, if you f- uh, pass the, over the, sports, the yeah.
2: Yeah, pass over the hangout, so I can like refresh my refresh my brain. But um, yeah, for for boys soccer in the large school division, it's gonna be uh, a rematch between Urbana and Oakdale. Um, that was an early season game that Oakdale took a one nothing victory in. Um, in the, uh, the, the, the small school, it's Williamsport and clear spring. So no, uh, um, uh, no, um,
0: and these games are at hood. And, no,
2: uh, no. So the, the large, sc- all the large school games are at Tuscarora and all okay. these small school games are at Smithsburg. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So no Frederick County schools in the, the, the small school boys soccer girls soccer is Tuscarora Oakdale rematch in the large school. I think you saw Oakdale win that game, they, right? They, they did. Yes. Um, and then in the, the the small school it is Walkersville and uh, Boonesboro, um, in volleyball uh, Urbana North Hagerstown in the the large school the North Hagerstown um, uh, beat Urbana in four sets earlier this year, uh, and then small school is Williamsport Smithsburg. So again no county schools there. Um, field hockey is Urbana Middletown. Um, Urbana I think took care of business in that one, and I believe I believe that's it in terms of the the cmc games uh i should probably also note that flag football is coming down to the wire and we have we know three of our four playoff teams and the fourth one will be decided uh next week
0: who, 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 are, who are the three so
2: urbana middletown lingonore are in and then it's between frederick tj and tuscarora for the final um spot frederick plays uh tj next week so that'll that game will very likely decide who ends up who ends up making it
0: so wait girls girls soccer small school is walkersville boonesboro you said yes okay got gotcha and walkersville still undefeated so they're, mm-hmm. they're our lone uh unbeaten team uh, in girls uh soccer still so um any thoughts on the cmc uh title games And anything that jumps out at you guys there
2: um i mean i think the at, at the very least for um for boys soccer i'm curious to see what urbana oakdale looks like now because oakdale sort of started off pretty good but has kind of been falling back a little bit whereas urbana started off not quite as good but now they're on an eight game winning streak so i'm curious to see if urbana can sort of turn that around on them um as for as for the others i've not seen nearly as much girls soccer as you um, or vol- or volleyball like like John has in field hockey. So yeah, we'll, uh, I'll defer to you guys on we'll, those. We'll, we'll see.
0: We'll see. Um, we'll see if Tuscarora and girls soccer could could uh, could uh, get a little closer to Oakdale. I think it was a three one game uh, the first time they played. Can Walkersville could, uh, continue their unbeaten run? Uh, and I guess in volleyball, John, I guess could Ur- Urbana put up a little. Um, but of uh, a better showing against North Hagerstown in in, in that game. Uh, so. yeah,
1: they got their work cut out for them, and they've had a really tough stretch here. I mean, they've been playing some really dynamite teams. They lost uh they lost two straight, in fact, to and Rundle and Wooten, uh, which and they only have three losses this year. The third to North Hagerstown, so uh, they are getting some good competition going into the playoffs, which
0: you know, hopefully helps them out. <laughs>
2: yeah, in golf,
0: we're what a couple weeks away, Alexander, from states l- at, l- down in cu- a couple,
2: couple days. At this point, we got the uh, the this, the the. Sort of preliminary round, semifinals are the twenty third and the twenty fourth. So next Monday and Tuesday, um, and then the championship is Wednesday the twenty fifth. So okay. I will be I will be there on the twenty fifth to see what happens. Um, I mean, Urbana is definitely in contention for a a team podium and maybe has a, have a couple individuals in that in that running. A um, R- River Hill supposedly is, has some like just 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 uh, otherworldly other team this year, so they're probably going to. Probably going to take that team title um, and probably the individual titles, but um, Urbana at the very least is in. Con- you know, they've been playing really well the last couple weeks, and they're in contention for a podium, I'd say. Uh, otherwise, individually, it's it's a little bit is a little bit hard to read because again, I you're getting so many golfers from all over the state that you know that that I, I just I just don't know. So we'll we'll see when we get there. I think the Monday and Tuesday will sort of give us a good indication of where where our where our golfers stand
0: uh cross country we have the cmc championships uh this week and then i believe counties are next week uh james the uh, returning champions are uh uh james partlow of thomas johnson and the boys caroline gregory uh frederick and the girls and, and they'll be the overwhelming favorites uh, to win those races again this year All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for stopping in. And when we come back, we will talk to uh, Nate Marr, uh, head coach of the St. John's Catholic Prep football team. Look forward to having him on and getting a little private school uh, perspective uh, here for Frederick County football. Stay with us here on the final score. Nate Marr is in his second season as the head football coach at St. John's Catholic Prep, one of two private schools here in Frederick County. Uh, the Vikings are 3-4 and of the season, coming off a big win, 34 uh, nothing over Annapolis Area Christian last week. And uh, pleased to have Coach Marr on the program. Thanks for doing this, Nate. Really, really uh, gl- glad to have you on.
3: Thanks, Greg. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Yeah, uh, tell us about that big win, which was highlighted, of course, by, by the big day by your running back, uh, Zion and Temi. Uh, school record, uh, 307 rushing yards against Annapolis Area Christian. Uh, tell us about Zion and his big game last week.
3: Yeah, no, it was good. You know, it was kind of one of those games. It was a big deal for us. You know, we had dropped our first conference game to Severn. Um, So we really second conference game of the year. It needed to be a win to keep us on track for that ultimate goal. And the guys stepped up. They did a great job. Um, And Zion, he's kind of been the anchor for our offense all season. He's done an unbelievable job. He's a special kid. Um, And we knew he was when we recruited him, Um, but he really, he has come in and, it was going to be hard to replace Drew Hutchins. You know, Drew was a thousand yard rusher last year. He was a senior. He was a captain goes off to Susquehanna university. They're nationally ranked and he's one of the only freshmen that's playing for him this year. So he's really, he was a special kid and we knew he had shoes, you know, that needed to be filled and Zion has come in and he has filled them and he's done a tremendous job. And uh, you don't replace a kid like Drew Hutchins, but Zion is special in, in his own right. And He's definitely replaced the production, and it, he had a hell of a game. He really, he did everything he was supposed to do. Nineteen carries, three hundred and seven yards. It was a twenty-one year old school record, uh, and the school's only been playing football for twenty-two years. So, in his first year with us, he came in and really he did something really special.
0: Yeah, uh, do you know how many yards he has? I mean, a rough idea. I, I know you don't probably know down to the yard, but did you realize he was uh, in the three hundred yard neighborhood?
3: No, (laughs) no, we, you know, we were feeding him. It was a messy game. It was, you know, it was 50 some degrees. It was pouring Annapolis area Christian as a grass field. So it was just, it was kind of a mud pit and kind of a slip and slide and uh, we weren't throwing the ball much. I think we threw the ball 10 times or less the whole game, Um, you know, had a couple successful passing plays, had a passing touchdown to Jimmy Roop. Um, But for the most part, we were feeding Zion the rock and he was doing an unbelievable job and he wasn't getting gassed out and we kept feeding him. Um, so no, I didn't know he was going to be 300 plus, but I, I had a pretty good idea. He was having a heck of a day. Uh,
0: when did you hear about the 300 number? Was it right after the game? Did, some, did someone tell you or what? Our, uh,
3: our statistician usually sends me the, uh, sends me the stats from the game, you know, a couple hours after the game. And, uh, You know, he shot me a text. We got home, you know, Saturday afternoon and that evening. He shot me a text and said he was 300 plus and they did the exact calculations. He hit 307 on 19 carries um, and he's at about 1,085 for the year. So with three games left, it looks like there's a pretty good chance he'll break the school's all time single season rushing record, too. So he's he's really special, man. He deserves it.
0: Uh, And what's, what's the school single season record?
3: we looked it up it was uh 1572
0: okay so, so, so he is closing in on it and yeah. um, and did you shoot zion attacks when you realized it was a 300 yard game just sort of how did he react to that number yeah
3: he you know he's a very humble kid um and we talk about in our program a lot character and work ethic and he just he exemplifies that all the way he is a high character young man he works his tail off and um honestly he's one of those kids you know i i he would have been happy you know with whatever it was if we're getting the win I don't think he really cares he doesn't care how many carries he gets he doesn't really care about the stats or yards uh he just he wants to do whatever he can to help his team win
0: now now Zion is a familiar name to people here in Frederick County uh on on the football scene because he played last season at Walkersville High School um tell us about how you got Zion uh, to come into your program
3: right well like with a lot of the kids that we've gotten over the last two years since i've been here as the head coach it's peer recruiting is so much of it and these kids in frederick county i think probably more so than in some of the other counties in the state of maryland they all know each other they all grew up playing for the same youth league programs um they've all they're all friends they've all been teammates at one point or another and so zion knew a good number of the kids in our program already and i've got players coming to me left and right saying hey you know this zion kid coach we need to talk to him you know he's over there at walkersville right now and you know we think he'd really love it here and uh, so we ended up getting him out on a visit and uh, i met with him and his mother with a couple of our other coaches his mother's probably you know one of the sweetest ladies you'll ever meet she's unbelievable and uh she was really grateful for her son to just have the opportunity to go to a private catholic school get a great education be the starting running back and hopefully, you know, open up some doors for college.
0: Yeah. I mean, your background is in college football. Does your current job being at a private school, does it sort of feel like a college job because there is recruiting involved?
3: It's, it's like a mini college, you know, and a lot of the guys in the MIAA conference actually are former college coaches. You know, Kyle Schmidt at Spalding was a college coach for a long time. Scott Van Zyl at Gilman, Joe Battaglia, at Concordia Prep who I worked with for a year um, probably half the coaches in the MIAA, Josh Ward at Calvert Hall, they're former college guys. And they all told me that, you know, when I was looking at making the move to high school, every single one of them said, man, it's, there's a little bit better, you know, work-life balance. You get a little bit more time at home with your family than you do when you're in college and you're on the road recruiting, but it really is a mini college. Um, and you you've got to be ready for the recruiting aspect because if you don't recruit you're not going to be very good you got to get out there and do the work
0: have you found that to be true that that you have more work-life balance or is that just a myth that sort of exists out there you know
3: I was commuting an hour to Baltimore every day to get to Concordia Prep and an hour home. And when I was talking to Bataglia and this job opportunity came open, he said, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. And once you become a head coach, he's like, I think you're going to find that time you spent commuting uh, to Baltimore and home from Baltimore every day. is like, you're going to double that with the amount of extra work you have as a head coach. And that's definitely true. I think um if you want to do things the right way, and you know you've got ownership in your program, and you really want to see it grow, uh, it's just—it's a tremendous amount of work. It's a relentless amount of your time, but uh, it's worth it. You know, for what you're doing to the kids and giving back to the kids, it's all worth it to try to make the program go and help them have a great experience
0: and, and now you and your wife are expecting a child. So that'll, that'll <laughs> add to your, uh, your, your time management uh, situation. How are you at managing time? You must be pretty good by this point. You,
3: you got to multitask, you know, and I think that's been true. I think that's just true in coaching. You know, you've got, there really is no downtime. There's definitely no wasted time. I mean, uh, you're never just sitting in the office doing nothing. You know, one day you're doing the scripts, then you're practice planning, you're watching film, the, you know, the administrative end of it, the recruiting end of it, fundraising. I mean, it doesn't end. So I I don't think there's been a time since I've been the head coach where I'm just sitting there going, I don't know what to do next. There's uh, there's always something on the to-do list.
0: Yeah, I, I could see you in future film sessions with a little football and your your own personal football in, in your arms, um, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, uh, feeding your child as you, as you try and get some film done, that, that multitasking piece uh, that you talk about. Uh, Hey, I'm a kid interested in uh, playing football at St. John's Catholic Prep. Uh, What's your sales pitch? Tell me about your program, Coach.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think ultimately, you know, what we sell in our program, I mean, what we're looking for in our program, ultimately, you've got to be a fit for us in our school and our program. And it's character and work ethic. We want kids that are high character, young men. They're going to come in. They're just they're going to do things the right way day in and day out because it is a culture shock for a lot of them coming from a public school. You know, you got to wear a collared shirt. You got to wear khaki pants, dress shoes, a belt, can't have earrings in, no visible tattoos. There's you got to have a shaved face, ironically. Um, So there's a there's a lot to it. And I think it takes. How,
0: How do you get away with that? How do you get away with your beard?
3: Yeah, they say it's okay for faculty and staff, which seems a little hypocritical. Yeah, that's like
0: a double. That's like a double standard, isn't it?
3: Yeah, so I, don't, you know, I don't usually get on the kids for shaving the face. I'll tell them about the dress code, but uh, when it comes um, okay. to, okay, I'll let the other teachers tell them to shave. Um, But uh, no, you know, it definitely takes a lot of discipline for a 14, 15, 16 year old kid to come in and understand they got to wear a uniform and they do need to be in dress code. And, you know, the curriculum is probably going to be a little bit more rigorous than what they're used to in public school. It's challenging. Um, So we're looking for kids that fit the bill there that are going to do the right things. And then work ethic. You know, are you really willing to commit yourself to it? Are you willing to work at it? Are you what we call a football first mentality? which is essentially, this is important to you. It's not just something you're doing for fun. If we're going to build this program into a championship caliber program, it's really got to be important to you. I mean, it's, you know, it's faith, academics, some football in that order, but football has got to be a top priority. Um, So that's what we're looking for. And, you know, I think kids typically feed off that. And when they hear that talk, it's a program they want to be a part of. And uh, we want to build it. We want to grow it. You know, when I got here, the, the kind of the saying I've used with our kids and with people in the community is when I got here, it was a bad football team. You know, there were 16 kids in the program. There were no coaches. They hadn't had a winning season since 2016. And I think we're now at a point where we are a respectable football program. You know, we've grown it from being a a bad team to a respectable program. And I think there's a lot that goes into building a program, but we're just getting started, you know, and we want to keep building it. We want to keep growing and trending in the right direction. And uh, I think a lot of kids get excited about that.
0: Uh, I'm curious about the recruiting piece in a football rich area like Frederick County, because, uh, you don't have to go to St. John's Catholic prep to, to find a good football program. (laughs) You you can pretty much find one at any public high school, high school there is. And, uh, and, and a lot of kids are fine doing that so is it is it is it sort of a double-edged sword because you're happy to be in a football rich area and there's a lot of talent here but at the same time you really have to fight uh to bring these kids to your school it seems
3: a hundred percent and that was one of the conversations I had had with Battaglia at Concordia when I was looking at this job he's like look here in Baltimore he's like it's kind of open season for the private schools all these kids want to go to private schools I mean they're coming up with They've got recruiting graphics now and they're announcing their top five. It's ridiculous. You know, they're in eighth grade and it's, am I going to McDonough, Gilman, Loyola, Calvert Hall, Concordia Prep? Um, Whereas in Frederick County, public school football has been king for a long time and I'm sure it'll continue to be, you know. If you're a kid growing up in Frederick County and you've got an opportunity to go play for Rick Conner at Linganore or go to, you know, a a perennial power like Oakdale, it's tough to sell a kid on, hey, you know, come come spend some money and come to St. John's Catholic Prep. And this is a school that doesn't have a whole lot of football tradition or history, but we're growing it and we're trending in the right direction. And I think that's something that's exciting for a lot of kids. And it's outside of Frederick County as well. You know, we've got kids coming in from Washington County. We've got kids coming in from, you know, the eastern portion of West Virginia, Montgomery County, Howard County, um that's the
0: advantage you have is you you the kids don't have to be from here necessarily no
3: i mean we've got kids coming from about an hour's radius you know some of the kids that are traveling the furthest are coming from you know you know west of hagerstown eastern west virginia they're coming from as far as you know silver spring in montgomery county um you know it's they're coming from a little bit of a ways you know and i think that's definitely helped um And I think we've got a great coaching staff and I'm biased, but I really believe in the coaches we have on this staff, having a guy like Vince Ahern on staff, who's a legend in Frederick County. um, A bunch of guys that played for me, you know, at the collegiate level, a couple of former college coaches on staff. I mean, it, I think that helps, you know, and that's something that draws kids in. And ultimately when this season comes to an end in a couple of weeks, that becomes my number one priority is helping all these kids get recruited. We have 11 seniors, nine of whom want to play football in college. Uh, And my job is to place all nine of them and make sure they all have opportunities to go play. And that's exciting for me. That's something I have fun with.
0: Uh, The recruiting process. Do you do it over the phone? Are you in living rooms? Uh, How do you learn of a kid that might be interested in playing football At St. John's, just sort of, how does it work?
3: So we recruit the youth programs in the area and and in other areas pretty heavily. So, you know, a lot of times you play on a Friday night, Saturday, you're out on the road, (laughs) kind of similar to college, you know, in some aspects. we go, we'll hit all the youth league programs. So, you know, you think about the youth league programs here in Frederick County and the ones outside of Frederick County, you know, the powerhouses, the Hamilton Tigers, the Columbia Ravens. You know, you've obviously got, you know, all the junior programs in Frederick County as well. So you get out there and you identify the kids. And I think, you know, you're always trying to bring in a strong freshman class because that's your foundation for the future. Um, But you have also you're working transfers and it feels like every every day or every couple of weeks. I've got one of our players in the program coming to me saying, hey, coach, I played with this kid uh, and he's at this school and he's interested in coming here. You know, can we can we get him on a visit? Can he do a shadow day? And so the peer recruiting is huge. The youth league recruiting is huge. Um, and ultimately, I think as we continue to grow and we continue to develop the program into something that we can be proud of, it's gonna to continue to attract the right type of student athlete.
0: Is the financial piece, is that a barrier for you? Are, are you able to offer kids that might wanna come play for you, but not, might not be able to swing it financially? Or are you able to offer them some assistance?
3: Yes, there's definitely forms of financial aid. You know, we have merit based aid, we have academic, athletic, fine arts scholarships at the school. There's also need based financial aid. So there are financial aid opportunities for every family. But I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't a barrier. Um, Because ultimately, if you're a family and you're living, you know, in, in the Linganore district, and you can send your son to go play football at Linganore High School, you know, or they're going to have to pay something. This is a school where everyone pays something, you know, to come to St. John's Catholic prep. Yeah. I think it's a challenge to recruit that family. So you're looking for the kids that, that fit what we're looking for. And I think a lot of kids and families, this is the environment they're looking for, you know, a small high academic Catholic school um, that's building, you know, really what we hope to be a championship caliber program in the near future.
0: Uh, Tell us about your uh, background coach, Mark. How did you get into coaching?
3: Yeah, so I, uh, I'm a Damascus alum, so I grew up not too far down the road, played at Damascus High for some tremendous coaches. You know, you think about Eric Wallach, Al Thomas, um, Marty Higgins, Bucky Clipper, guys like that that are just kind of mainstays in Maryland high school football, Hall of Fame guys. Um, that's where I fell in love with the game was just kind of growing up in a special town like Damascus um you know wanted to play in college had a series of knee injuries i'd torn my acl three times by the time i got to be 17 years old you know so playing in college wasn't really in the cards for me at that point uh and eric Wallet got me an opportunity at damascus high kind of working as a student assistant my senior year and he said why don't you come with me you know and kind of help out with our program kind of serve as like a ga more or less and uh what you think about the coaching aspect and i'm so grateful that he did that because that's ultimately what got me into coaching um so when i graduated i went off to west virginia university i was a student assistant coach there for a couple of years uh made my way to mcdaniel college was a graduate assistant got my master's degree uh became a full-time assistant coach at the college level for five or six years um a couple different roles a couple different titles i was a recruiting coordinator special teams coordinator running backs coach, uh, receivers coach. You kind of do it all at the small school level. Um, and then my wife and I, you know, we we were buying a house. We were talking about starting a family. And college football can just be a tumultuous career path. You know, you're going up and down. You're getting hired. You're getting fired. The next job may require moving your family. And, you know, I talked to a lot of former college coaches that took the high school route, guys that, you know, I mentioned earlier um that really that loved this route that said the high school teaching and coaching thing can be really good and provide a little bit more job stability and you don't have to worry necessarily about moving your family every couple of years um so joe battaglia gave me my first opportunity at concordia i was an assistant there with him loved it you know loved teaching loved coaching high school football we had a great staff um you know, won the B conference championship in 2021. And then this job opportunity opened up a few months later and, you know, he was super encouraging and it's, it's been a really good fit.
0: Did you want, were you looking for the private school job or were you open to the public school job? Sort of, how did you look at the private versus public school piece?
3: You know, I'd always been a college coach. um, So I wasn't certified to teach. That was the, really the biggest thing was and you look at the public schools, you know, and you look at being a head football coach in a public school system, say 90% of them are certified teachers and they okay. work in the building as teachers. And I didn't have a certification uh, because for a long time, I thought I was going to be a college coach my whole career. So getting a certification to teach wasn't really high on my priority list. Um, but things change, you know, and, you know, wanted to give it a shot. And Concordia Prep, Joe Battaglia, who I knew beforehand you know he had been a college coach for a long time in the area too he could get me into the building I started as a teacher there I didn't need a certification to teach at Concordia Um, and you know he he did a tremendous job has done a tremendous job with that program there were six of us football coaches working in the building most of us as teachers and most of us with college coaching experience. So you look at whatever, what he's been able to do at a program like that. I mean, he is, he's outstanding. And that was a really good opportunity for me.
0: I'm curious how you look at your injuries now, because at the time you were probably bummed, man, I can't believe I can't play. I can't believe this is happening to me. But um, when you look at it, big picture, they they opened some doors for you with, with coach Wallach. Yeah. And, and then that got you into the sort of the college realm too. So how do you sort of look back on your injuries, sort of blessing in disguise-ish?
3: Uh, yeah, you know, I definitely, I never really saw myself doing anything else. You know, I'd grown up in a military family. Uh, most of the men in my family had either been military or law enforcement. And I really didn't see myself doing that. I considered it. Um, uh, but I loved football. I mean, I didn't I, I wrestled a little bit too, but it really was just football. That was my main sport. That was the sport that I loved, and I wanted to stay around the game. And that was really all I knew at that age. So my plan in high school was play as long as I can and then coach. Uh, I figured play as long as I can meant I'd get my four years in college and then start coaching after. So it came a little earlier than I expected. You know, I was essentially you know an assistant at the college level when I was eighteen and every year since um but yeah it was a blessing in disguise it was you know an unbelievable experience to be at a school like WVU working there um and every opportunity I've gotten since then has really it's I'm very fortunate to have had the jobs I've had
0: how much different would your life look if at all if you hadn't gotten injured if you hadn't torn your ACL a bunch of times
3: uh I think I'd probably be on a pretty similar track you know if I had to guess I would have you know, played, you know, division two, division three, college football, probably at a school like McDaniel, more or less Um, graduated and then, and then tried to get into college coaching, you know, or get into coaching at some capacity. So I I think probably pretty similar. Um, But again, getting that experience a lot earlier than some other guys do, I think that definitely helped because most guys, you know, they're in their, their mid twenties at the point they get into coaching. And for me, I was able to do it a lot earlier and I think that created opportunities for me. You know, I was a position coach in college football when I was 20, um, got my master's as soon as I graduated, you know, was a full-time college coach by the time I was 24. And typically, guys, I mean, you really have to grind and you've got to work hard and you may not get that first full-time opportunity until you're, you're damn near 30. You know, it just kind of depends. Um, so I was definitely fortunate in that respect.
0: Uh, being a football spouse—that—that could be tough. So, how does your wife handle being married to a football coach with the time demands of the job?
3: She's unbelievable. She, um, you know, everyone used to say Coach Daly at McDaniel College is one of my best mentors, and he always used to say two biggest decisions you make in life: who you marry and what you do for a living. You know, and I think I got those two right. Uh, My wife's my best friend. You know, we've been together since high school. She went to McDaniel College. was a uh, was an all conference soccer player there. Um, one of the all time leading scorers in Damascus High School history. She was a college soccer coach. You know, coached at McDaniel for a uh, few high, years.
0: High school sweetheart. You met her at Damascus, or yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: We actually we've known each other since we were kids. grew up right down the road, so we've been together since high school. Yeah. Um, Did you know so, you were so, going
0: to marry her? I mean, you knew you you knew <laughs> you were going to be a coach. Did you know you were going to marry your wife one day?
3: yeah and you know and and she's a coach so it's really i mean she still does she coaches at the club level she coached at the college level so she's so supportive when it comes to that stuff hey if i'm going to be in the office late one night she gets it out on the road recruiting she gets it um very rarely will i get any grief for anything that comes along with the job she knows it's what i love to do and ultimately you're making an impact you know i daily again he used to say at the end of the day people they're going to forget about the wins and losses, but they're not going to forget about the impact you had on them. And that's what ultimately what we're trying to do here. Their goal is to go 10 and 0 and win a conference championship. But, you know, I want to have a positive impact on the kids in my program and I hope I'm doing that every day.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's get back to your team. Uh, you guys are playing better. Uh, you went, you went to Fairmont yeah. Heights a couple of weeks ago and, and you, you pulled out a win there and then the big win over Annapolis Christian last week. I mean, your schedule's tough. I mean, you started with boys Latin uh, on the road. Um, then the, and then you played uh, a, a Virginia school and, and 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 played a competitive game, but that one didn't go your way. Um, just Why are you guys sort of playing better as, as the season's gone on here?
3: Yeah, you know, and that, you know, year one, I don't think anyone expected anything. Like I said, they hadn't had a winning season in, since 2016. And in year one, we have a winning season. You know, we go six and four, kind of everyone thinks you know we've turned the program around the culture's great the winning is great everyone's kind of really riding high and we're excited about what we've done and a lot of the players come to me and in year two which is great this is what you want they come to me and say coach we want to challenge this year you know with our non-conference opponents we want to play some tougher teams we want to play up we want to play some better opponents and really challenge ourselves and I love to hear that because I know there's a good chance going into it hey You know, we may may take a couple on the chin here. We might not quite be ready for a team like Bishop Ireton, who's in the WCAC, and I think they're 5-2 and right now. They're killing it, you know? Virginia Academy almost beat Bullis. You know, that's a very good team. Boys Latin's in the conference up from us. They're in the B conference. So we scheduled some really tough opponents, but I'm so proud of how the kids handled it because... You know, yeah, did we take a few on the chin? Yeah, we, we took some tough losses, but they didn't give up. They didn't stop fighting. They played hard all the way through. And I think it got us better. And we acclimated to that speed of the game. So when we get to conference play, and as we get later into the season and we're coming down the stretch here, I think we're peaking and we're playing our best football in October and November, which is what you want to do. Um, so they took their lumps early, but I think they've grown from it and they've adapted and they've done a great job.
0: What 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 did you think this group was capable of at the start of the season?
3: Uh, you know, the goal is definitely to win a conference championship. That's what we want to do. You know, we're in the MIAAC conference, and since I've been here, that's been our goal. We want to win the C Conference Championship and try to move up and continue to grow this program and trend in the right direction. And we have the kids to do it. I think we've got the talent to do it. It's it's a great, it's a great group of kids. They they work really hard day in and day out. They do the right things. The talent is here. Um, so there's no doubt in my mind that this team, this group, these, this group of kids is capable of winning a conference championship. Um, but, you know, you just got to keep your head down, keep grinding, keep working. And, you know, eventually the work will catch up with us.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about Zion and his abilities. Uh, tell us about some of your other players that that really uh, uh, help you play as well as you have been lately.
3: Uh, yeah. You know, the next one, you know, you already mentioned Zion, Grayson DiPietro, uh, I was kind of, you know, the the top dog in the program when I got there. You know, they had said, you know, this is the kid you really want to keep around. Make sure you keep him here. He's And he's unbelievable. He's been a captain for us every year I've been here. He's been an all-conference player since I've been here, you know, 2021, 2022. Uh, he's, you know, got a full ride, Division One to Morgan State right now. Full, committable offer that he he's kind of chewing on a little bit. He's got and, a couple- and
0: what position is Grayson?
3: He plays receiver on offense and he's kind of been a jack of all trades defensively, you know, he's played free safety. He's played down in the box. He's played on the edge. He's done an unbelievable job. Um, I think a lot of the schools that are recruiting him, especially the division one schools want to see him in the box more because I think that's where a lot of schools see him in college is kind of that hybrid safety overhang. so he's really doing a good job for us on both sides of the ball. He's he's unbelievable. Um, great kid, cares about the program, cares about the school. Has kind of been here through the worst of it and has stuck it out. And now he's really, I think, hopefully proud to see the direction we're heading. And I think he's excited about it. So he's been a key contributor. The Priest Daniels, you know, we brought in was a transfer. Actually started at St. John's as a freshman, um, which would have been the 20. 20 season, COVID, they didn't play many games. Uh, then he ended up going to Brunswick for two years and, you know, ends up coming back here for his senior year. Saw what we were doing here. Um, you know, had been here as a freshman, his parents reached out to me and said, you know, he wanted a chance to come back to St. John's and play with some of his old teammates. He, he's one of the leading receivers on our team. I believe he's one of the leading receivers in the County. He's doing an unbelievable job for us. I think he's a kid who will play in college um, and you know, I'm probably doing a disservice to the other 20 or 25 kids that have done an unbelievable job, but those are just a couple of the names that pop off the top of my head.
0: Sure. Uh, this week you play Severn school, you've played them once already. And then they got the best of you. It was a 42 to six result on, uh, at the end of September. So you're getting them here twice within the span of a month. Do right. You, uh, do you like the rematches that, that this league presents?
3: Absolutely. You know, and I think it's it's similar to the NFL in that respect where, you know, you play each team in your division or your conference twice and you play them once at your place and once at their place, you know, and the team that comes out with the best record in conference or in the division, you know, they win the division, they win the conference. And so I do like that model, Um, you know, and Severn's a great team. You know, Coach Ballard over there has done an unbelievable job. He's in a similar situation that I was. We took over the same offseason. Severn had really struggled. St. John's had really struggled. And I think these are both programs that are trending upward and trending in the right direction. Their kids are big. You know, they're well coached. They're disciplined. They don't beat themselves. They do a great job. And he really has done a great job. Um, But at, at the same time, you know, I think we're a great program and we're really working hard and our kids are trending in the right direction. And you know, we're playing our best ball at the right time of year, so I'm excited to see how we match up with them the second go around.
0: Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you sort of get your kids ready for a game like this? Yeah, uh, uh, especially when the first result is lopsided. How do you sort of generate some belief for a game like this?
3: right i think the biggest thing is the preparation and the work and we're big on you know you keep your head down you stay consistent you show up you prepare you do the work eventually the work's going to catch up with you and i think that's where we're at right now you know they won the first game but ultimately if we're able to win on friday we'll share a piece of that conference championship. And I think that's really big right now. They're first in the conference. We're second. Yeah. You guys are
0: one and one in the MIAAC, right?
3: Exactly. Exactly. So if we are able to go one and one with them, we would share a piece of the conference title. And uh, I think that's all the motivation and incentive the kids need is they know they're playing for a chance to put 2023 on our championship banner. And that's something that definitely gets them cranked up. And we've had a great week of practice so far, but you know, got to continue to keep our heads down and keep working and keep doing the right things.
0: Is there a championship game or is it just based on the regular season record? Because there used regular to be a championship game. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a smaller conference. So the A and B conference will have playoffs and a championship. Didn't always used to be that way. That's fairly right. recent. Um, but in the C conference, the model is similar to how it used to be at all levels in the MIAA. Uh, best best record in conference.
0: Well, what is your big picture vision for the program, Coach Mar?
3: You know, I'd love to see us, you know, just continue to grow as a program. You know, we're a small school. We have about 250, 275 kids. I figure half of those are boys. So the fact that we already have 40 plus in our program, you know, coming from two years ago, only having 16, you know, that's that's about a third of the male population that's playing football. And I'd like to see that number continue to grow. And I'd like to see our program continue to grow. And ultimately, I think, you know, if we can continue to have the success that we've had in the C conference, we'd have a chance to get ourselves up to the B and uh, start to play better competition and hopefully be a more competitive opponent, you know, for the teams that we're playing and just just continue to grow and trend in the right direction. And uh, I really do think there's a ton of potential at this school. So that's that's our goal, you know, is we want to win the C conference championship we want to get ourselves up to the B conference and we just want to continue to grow and trend in the right direction.
0: Yeah. I was curious if you felt the C conference was your sweet spot, given the small size of your school, or if you right. did have uh, designs on, on moving up, it sounds like obviously you do.
3: Well, uh, and there's, there's a lot of talk in MIAA right now about realignment and how the legal look moving forward. And there's a chance that there could be some pretty significant changes moving forward, which would, Alter, maybe there's not an A, B, and C conference anymore. Maybe they split it up into different divisions. And there's a couple different proposals out there right now. And it'll be interesting to see what the league does. but, But we can only control what we can control. And ultimately, we've got to continue to bring in the right kids, continue to win games, continue to try to have success, mold kids of high character, strong work ethic, and just I want us to be better off than we were the year before. You know, in 2022 is a much better situation than what I had inherited this year. I think we're much further along than we were this time last year. And we just want to keep trending in the right direction.
0: Uh, as you arrived at St. John's Catholic a Stadium opened uh, on, yeah. on, on campus uh, at, at the site of the school. It, it, it was never that way. You guys were always playing at McCurdy Field and having to go across town. How big a difference? has just being able to walk outside and practice and, and play games at your school uh, and not have to go across town to play a game? I mean, how much of a difference has that made?
3: I imagine it's pretty significant. You know, I was never here to play at McCurdy Field. Uh, ironically enough, when I was the recruiting coordinator at McDaniel College, I actually went to McCurdy Field once to recruit a couple of young men. I saw St. John's play St. James well before I ever thought I'd be the head coach at St. John's. And, you know, we get to McCurdy and I'm looking around I was like, man, this is really tough. You know, that this, this is their home stadium. This is where they play. They can't play on their campus. It's not the best facility. You know, this is tough for these kids. And, um, you know, when I went through the interview process, that was one of the first things they did was our athletic director walked me out back and he showed me the construction and, you know, you've got a beautiful mountain in the background, it's changing colors this time of year, so the backdrop's unbelievable. The brand new facility, it's just, it's unbelievable. And when I interviewed, they took me out back, it's almost done, the field looks great. They say, hey, you know, you'd be the head coach for the first ever game that gets played in this brand new stadium that we've been trying to get for the last 10 years. And that, that really stuck with me. I could tell the school was invested in the football program, they wanted to do football the right way. They want to see the program be successful, and the facility is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's everything we want it to be.
0: What would the job have been as attractive to you without the stadium, the on-campus stadium?
3: You know, and... I don't know if you look at it in terms of material things, you know, do they have this, do they have that? But I think the new facility on campus, making it easier for kids to come to the games as opposed to traveling into downtown Frederick, it just shows the commitment that the school and the administration had to the football program. Because ultimately, when you walk into a situation like this, okay, they haven't had a whole lot of success. Let's look at why, you know, what, what why why have they struggled the way they have, right? has it been, just coaching has it been a lack of support has it been a combination you don't really know um and I think anytime a school is willing to put that much money and that much support into athletics and into the football program it just shows it shows what you're looking for it shows that you're going to be supported and that they they do want to be successful and that was definitely big for me
0: Hey, Coach Mar. I know you're a real busy guy. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been a pleasure talking to you and having you on and learning more about your program. Uh, you guys sort of, being in the private school realm and there's not a lot of private schools here, you, you can get sort of lost in the shuffle. So, so it's good right. to have you on to learn about your program and, and, and give kids uh, and, and people a chance uh, uh, to, to follow you a little bit. So, so thanks so much for, uh, for doing this again. And uh Best of luck uh, going forward, both in in your personal life with with a new uh, baby on the way, and and with your football team too. Um, uh, we wish you, we we wish you well uh, as you head toward the end of the season here.
3: Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. I okay. appreciate Okay,
0: thank you, Coach Mark. We'll we'll see you soon.
3: All right. Thank you. Have a good one.
0: And that will do it uh, for us this week here on the Final Score. Thanks as always to producer Graham Cullen, uh, to Alexander Dacey and John Cannon, my colleagues here at the FMP talking some frederick county sports uh, that will be it for uh, us here this week but we'll be back next week with another episode so we'll see you then until then have a great week everyone